All right, back here on 760 WJR. Well, we don't have a uh, a lot of baseball to be talking about here, obviously, but uh, there's a lot going on. A bunch <laughs> going believe on. Believe it or not. Uh-huh. As we speak. Yeah. Uh, and uh, John Paul Morosi, or JP, to his friends, uh, joins us from the MLB Network and other places to talk about that. JP, how are you? Mitch and Ken, I am outstanding. A greetings from Houston, Texas. Uh, yes. I saw Justin Verlander getting ready for his start here earlier today. So uh, lots of memories of seeing JV pitching this month at Comerica in the past. You know, I think a Ooh. lot of a lot of uh, Detroiters have, you know, casual baseball fans have missed out on the fact that that Justin Verlander, after being out, and a lot of people thought, well, he's done. You know, he's reached the end of his career. He was injured uh, last year and earlier this year. Has come back and he's it's like he's, it's like it's ten years ago. He's got an ERA of like uh, in the regular season of like one point eight or something like that. Right, it's extraordinary. And uh, in, in asking Justin today uh, about you know different things, whether it was pitching on short rest in the postseason, which he's done in the past, he answered very eloquently about that. But I think the the key thing that I heard him say was in response to a question about how much longer he wants to pitch. And he, he said, I'm going to play until they rip the jersey off me. So we could be talking about someone who goes and pitches till his mid-40s, as Nolan Ryan, who was his idol, had did. Uh, of course, Justin is uh, 39 years old, so uh, he's got plenty of time to maybe, who knows, maybe finish his career in Detroit at some point if, if that ends up being the case. But the, the point here is this is not farewell. And, and you're right. He, he went basically two full years without pitching because – he had pitched just the one start in 2020, which we know was a shortened season to begin with. He made the one start, he blew out his arm, and then he had to have Tommy John surgery, and then he missed all of last year. He comes back this season, to your point, a 1.75 ERA, leads mm. the major leagues. Houston is not known as an easy place to pitch either. And so it's remarkable that you look at his numbers, it's really – the best season that he's ever had. If you look at ERA plus, which adjusts for the league dynamics and and uh, and how much he, how well he's doing relative to the average pitcher in the league, he's even better than he was during his MVP year of 2011 for the Tigers. So just extraordinary pitching work by Verlander, and uh, certainly a key reason why that the Astros believe they've got a pretty good chance to win the World Series this season. Is there any um, residual resentment? on the national scale or amongst baseball fans for Houston at this stage, you know, the cheating and all the rest of it is, is, is that gone? No, it's not gone. Uh, I, I can tell you that Mitch, because I was in, uh, in Seattle over the weekend and, and it's interesting. I think fans um, of the road teams, especially in the playoffs, they know who's on the roster now and they know who was on the roster in, in 2017. Um, and so when you notice that the boos for Altuve and Bregman are the loudest, they are by far the loudest of the current players on the team because hmm. they're most closely connected to that, uh, to that season. What is going to be really interesting is uh, if the Yankees and Astros go on to play, because to be honest, I'm looking at the, the everyday lineup of what the Astros had in the world series in 2017, they had Bregman and Altuve and certainly uh, Yuli Gurriel was, was around the team as well. But there's also one member of the current Yankees, Marwin Gonzalez, who was on the Astros in 2017. And I don't think, knowing what we know about sports fans, I do not believe that the good people of New York will boo Gurriel, Bregman, and Altuve, and then similarly boo their own member <laughs> of the 2017 Astros in Marwin Gonzalez. I, I, I don't think 
Mitch and Ken, that they're going to be quite that consistent. No, yeah, not at all. Probably not. Uh, for those who haven't been following the playoffs all that carefully, um, the fact that now the Yankees are leading Cleveland right now in, in game five, and it's what, the seventh five or eighth one, inning. Seven, so yeah. it, it, looks, it looks like it's going to be the Yankees in Houston, which is what everybody wants to see, let's face it. Uh, but the fact that Cleveland is there, the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers with 111 regular season wins, 111, they could give the Tigers 30 of those, <laughs> and the Tigers still wouldn't make the playoffs, and the Dodgers probably would. But, uh, but that they got knocked out in four games by San Diego. Right. Uh, I mean, these this are some really interesting storylines here. Oh, there really are. And, and to your point, uh, it's just it's a really interesting bracket where the, the Astros, now we'll see, obviously, that the Yankees may well prevail, and, uh, but they were down 2-1, and it was on the verge of uh, all but the Astros of the teams that got by is getting knocked out in the first round. Um, so it, it's, it's very interesting to me to see this new playoff format. I like it in general. I think that having six teams make the playoffs in each league is, is a healthy thing. It really – um, emphasizes winning your division and making sure that you play it out all the way through. There are some years where if you clinch the division on September 15th, there wasn't really a whole lot to play for after that, but now there is. There's a lot to play for. And so I, I like the way that it's structured in that in that way. And you know, I also think, and we saw this, obviously all Tiger fans don't need, need me to remind everybody, but 06 and 12, there was a lot of a layoff. And that layoff, I, I think, really has an effect on teams. And we saw the Braves never really quite get going against the Phillies and the Dodgers never really got going against the Padres. So yeah. you have now it's a number five versus number six seed national league championship series that begins tonight. Mm. Now yeah. you're in Houston. You get there before the team that wins this game gets there. When is the game tomorrow night? And is that going to be a fair first game for the team that has to travel? Well, that's, that's a great question, Ken. And, and the game, it is going to be a night game. Um, I, it's rare. This is a consequence of, the, the, the lockout obviously compressing everything in, in November, even as it is. I think Game 7 of the World Series would be November 5th, I believe. Jeez. It's going to be wow. one of the latest ones ever. And so they're just trying to get the games in. And obviously once you set the schedule, we all realize from a TV perspective that's important. And so uh, these are the dates that were decided for the ALCS. It's not, not ideal, but I think the Yankees will probably take it because if, if they end up winning this game, they certainly benefited from Nestor Cortez Jr. being able to start this game. Had they played last night, they would not have had Cortez to start. Uh, he started today, and obviously right now as we speak, they lead comfortably. The rain was their friend. It wasn't very friendly to all the people who had to sit there. <laughs> no, and, uh, you, you know, are I right mean, about that. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. Just call the damn thing. You know, it, it, I, it's crazy that they were saying, oh, we might have an opening at 930. <laughs> it's like, first of all, how often does that even happen? And secondly, you're going to first begin a game at 930. Everything that they, I guess maybe you still have a West Coast audience watching, but, you know, sure. it's it's a New York, it's a New York Cleveland game. So how many people want to watch it on the West Coast? But a game that starts at 930 isn't going to end until 130 in the morning. And, and uh, you might as well just, delay it i don't know what they were thinking with that well no it's a fair question i, I think that if you had ended it and, and again there are probably differences of opinion on either side of this question but if you if you end the game at 130 then at least that team would have some semblance of an off day that before before playing game one as it is now let's say the yankees win this game and celebrate for a little bit of time 
they'll get into Houston darn close to midnight or after that, probably after midnight. And then at that point, uh, you got a pretty quick turnaround to play a team that's been resting. So the old question, rust versus rust, we've heard it many times before. I do know this. Houston's pitching is very good and very rested, and New York's pitching is not yeah. uh, in terms of at least being rested. So we'll, we'll have to see. They're, they're going to have to probably win. New York's going to have to really have these bats going in a big way, uh, which, of course, they have right now. Judges send both homers today, so – they keep that going. They've got a really good chance against the Astros still. Well, plus, uh, it's not as if baseball teams aren't used to playing in a different city the next day. You know, right? It's, it's, oh, sure. It, yeah, it happens all the time. All right. Well, once again, we we're talking about other teams other than Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, let me get get your quick take before we let you go on the the Tiger, Tigers' new GM, who is actually younger even than you. And so uh, he is. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I never thought I'd say that about J.P. Morosi, but there's someone younger than him in the front office. Um, what's your take on him? I think he was a great hire. I really do. I think Scott. Uh, I've, I've known him for a number of years. Uh, followed his career when he was with the Cubs and then the Giants. Uh, the, the Tigers got a really, really sharp leader with a lot of vision and a lot of uh, understanding of what it takes to win. Uh, he, he helped construct. At the end of the day, Mitch, you can, I look at it this way. He was the GM of a team that last year won more than 100 games, and now he's the president of the baseball operations of the Tigers. That's, that's a pretty big win. And when you look at it that way, it's hard, I think, to have any fault with it. So I think he'll build things out. We'll see where he goes to hire a GM beneath him, which I think is, is going to be important, whether it's somebody who has a playing background, somebody who has an amateur scouting background. I think that is really the key thing. I think Scott Harris probably job one for him long before he spends a dollar in free agency, is going to be to build out the Tigers' drafting infrastructure, international scouting infrastructure. The Astros are here because of their international scouting, really. Christian Javier and Robert Valdez, Luis Garcia, it, that, the Tigers have to do a better job in that area than they have, and I think that's going to be a key part of Scott Harris's work here in the weeks and months ahead. All right, always good to talk to you, JP. Right. Thanks for spending a little time with us. Great catching up. Uh, we'll catch up a little Michigan football, a little Red Wings hockey next time around, okay? Right. Good deal. <laughs> J.P. Morosi joining us here on 760 WJR.